From ACAST Studios and Western Sound, this is The Score, Season 1, The Bank Robber Diaries. I'm Ben Adair, and this is Episode 7, Big Bank, Little Bank. Okay, so this is the film Baby Driver, and um, I consulted with uh, Edgar Wright on this film. And uh, in this scene, Baby is the getaway driver, Ansel Elgort, the actor, and bank robbers are getting out to go rob a post office. A crime, by the way, I wanted to commit when I was in prison. So they're going into the post office, and you're going to see a woman who, in the movie, she panics. She realizes something's going on. She goes and gets the guard for the uh, post office. And the big old sloppy dude who shows up as the guard is me. (laughs) (laughs) So we are going to watch... um, Let's see what happens here. Okay. That's a cool the way his glasses go on in that in that dark part. Yeah, okay, and then so, so now you she, see her coming. She comes up the street. Oh, this is it. She sees him. Hi, she sees him, I remember you. And he, she looks at him and goes, "Wait, what are you doing here?" And he's like, "He's like, no, no, like, don't go in." Like, no, don't go in. He, he shakes his head. She goes, "Oh shit!" She runs the other she way. She runs the other way. And he's now looking. Are they coming? Are they coming? Are they coming? And then here she comes. She's bringing a big old, look at that guy. He's a shot caller. He's like, what the hell's going on? He's got his hand on his gun. He leans in. What are you doing here? He says, oh, shit. Who's, here they come. I turn. Blam. I pull my gun and boom. I get blown away. Oh, boom. He shoots me twice. He me on the <laughs> ground. The final indignity. I'm through with money. They get in the car. Baby's like, what did you do? You're not supposed to kill anyone. He says, drive, 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 drive. Put the fucking foot on the Go, 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 go. And baby's like, you said to go. I said, okay. You killed Joe Lawyer. Prepare to die. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) Yastuvo, James Fox. (laughs) Spoiler alert. (laughs) So I just want to rewind it a little bit, and we can see you in the frame here playing a security guard. (laughs) (laughs) The irony. Uh, how did how did this happen? How did you come to be a security guard and baby driver? I wrote an, an essay years ago for McSweeney's called How I Chose My Bank Robbie Getaway Song. And this thing is all music. This thing's almost like a musical. It's better than a musical, in fact. It's just, it's a choreography uh, uh, to a, a bank robbery choreo- movie choreographed to music. Um, so he's into music. Edgar's into music. He reads my essay and he, this producer's contact me and say, hey, we have a guy writing a getaway movie. Would you talk to him? And I say yes. And it ends up being Edgar. We become friends in 2011. He works on the script and consults with me on the script. Um, and uh, well, he would send me scenes and say, you know, does this sound legitimate? Like, is this how criminals would act? Is this? And I would tell him, I'd say, you know, you want this character to be this shot caller. Then these are ways in which if, if this is a shot caller, he's not going to let certain people be able to say this to him because that would be a threat to his thing. And then you'd have to have the shot call actually have to do other things. I just would like explain the, explain this to butcher it up more, you know, like to give it its, its criminal chops, you know, like feel authentic. So there's that. And then of course the bank robbery stuff, I could talk about what was in there, how it would play out. Um, I said something once he said, did you play music on the way to a bank? And I said, no, man. The craziness in my head was the music or something like that. So one of the characters says something to that effect, and I never played music on the way there. We only played music on the way away, getaway, getaway music. Um, he created fantastic characters, 
And um, now I did was like, okay, you you want them to do this, you want them to do this. Here's how you do it, and it's like you know, we, this is how you make them as realistic as possible for for you know fiction, uh, for a movie, and in to 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 pull off the story he wanted to pull off, you know. Part one, bank, 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 bank. Joe, what was the easiest bank you robbed? The easiest bank I robbed was actually in a mall, not like an indoor mall. Like it's like a walking plaza mall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was in Orange County somewhere. <laughs> and I, I walk in and it's super tiny. I mean, the the lobby is so small that basically there's two or three towers max and then to the left in the lobby is a little patch of carpet and one little tiny desk on there for the manager or somebody that's it it's a little barely nothing bank and when i walk in no customers no manager there's just two women in the teller stations there in their stools talking to each other head sideways talking to each other i walk in they look at me I look around, and this is the most peculiar bank I've ever walked in. It's just, it's almost like it's pretending to be a bank. It's so skinny, so narrow, tiny little cute lobby. And these two women are looking at me, and I'm looking at them, and I say, Yeah, you know what this is. It's a robbery. Give me your money. <laughs> just like, I just like start walking up to them and like, Yeah, this is what this is. <laughs> just, it was really peculiar, and they just start, they look at me and just like, I say, yeah, and I give, maybe give my spiel, whatever. I I don't have to do much to persuade them. They're like, let's do this. And they just start putting the money up, and they're putting the money up. So, like, I'm over here at this teller, and I'm dumping money in my bag, and I'm going to the other one, dumping money in my bag. Oh, you put some more money up? Let me go get that. And I'm like, I just collect the money, and I leave. The second other easiest robbery, but it was only one teller, was a bank I walked in, and before I could finish my spiel, she started giving me the money. Like, did you even? You didn't even ask for the money. She just. I didn't even ask for like big bills me. first. Now she starts giving me the big bills first, and there was a moment where I was like, "Man, you might want to slow down." I thought, <laughs> if anyone looks at these this camera afterwards, they're gonna know that you gave me that money way too fast. And like without question, without resistance, I wasn't even done. They're gonna think we were in cahoots. That's what I thought. Like huh. it was that easy. And I think I, I, it almost felt like after when I was trying to figure out what was that? Why did that happen like that? That was just too freaking easy. I thought, you know what? Maybe her boyfriend told her, "Hey man, I'm sending Sammy in this afternoon." You know, and he's a Mexican <laughs> dude, and he's gonna ask for the money. Just give it to him, and we can make out that way. And so she thought I was Sammy. Like when you, I was, <laughs> you came in. She thought she thought someone else was coming to rob her. <laughs> <laughs> it was thought, it was an inside job, sort of, just wrong guy. <laughs> right, <laughs> just a guy who was outside of the inside. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I, that's what it felt like. Almost like she like, oh yeah, yeah, Sammy, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Here's the money. Thanks for coming in and making it look like a robbery. <laughs> <laughs> she gets home that night. She's like, where's my cut? Yeah. <laughs> or Sammy comes in a couple hours later, tries to rob her, and the FBI are there. Yeah, he's already and, there. And then, then Sammy gets arrested. So I go down to San Diego, and I decide that I'm going to rob a bunch of banks in one day. I get off the freeway. I'm parking 
at the corner of a bank parking lot, but that's not the bank I'm going to rob. I walked past this bank because the bank I want to rob was actually down. The, there was a shrubbery, and then there was an incline or a decline into another parking lot where there was a bank. So it's two banks right next to each other. Two banks right next to each other, but they're and on different levels kind of and a between. small hill with this crazy shrubbery. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I had to kind of run down the go through the shrubbery to get down there. Big bank. And that was a strange bank because when I walked in, it's like it just opened. It was one of those things where I, was, I always like to rob early. And clearly I was a first customer. There's only one person in that bank. And she was over here on the side at a desk talking to somebody. And she looks at me and I hear her say, well, I, I got to get going. I got a customer. And I realize that's my teller. <laughs> She's out here in the lobby talking to somebody. Somebody on the phone. The, oh, on the on phone. phone. Okay. She's on the phone talking to someone. There's only her and me in there. Right. So <laughs> when she's done, she's kind of far from me. You know, a couple of desks down on the, in the lobby, you know, far from me. So she gets off the phone and she now has to like walk further away from me to get to a door on my far left over there to get to the t- inside the teller station. And so I walk up to the teller station. She's a little short woman. And she starts walking to me, past teller station one, past teller station two. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there watching this. It's like, she it's was like a, going on a journey in order like to a, get robbed. <laughs> and so she's coming to me and, you know, she's walking and I'm watching her. Still nobody walking in from the outside. Still no customers walking in. Still whatever. And I rob her. I basically like... This is a fucking robber. Give me the money now. I, I just like, don't make me pull the gun. You know, like, let's do this. And she is so angry at me. She is so pissed. Well, I mean, she had to walk halfway around the block. I made her work to come <laughs> over here and just, just get, get robbed. robbed. <laughs> like, and um, the woman is resisting every way imaginable. I'm telling her, give me the big bill. She's giving me the ones. I'm telling her, you know, whatever, any way she can resist, she's resisting. And I'm mad. And it shows you one thing. As much as I want to terrorize people, if they don't want to be terrorized, they're not going to be terrorized. And I'm not jumping over the counter. I'm not going to shoot them. I'm not going to pistol whip them. I have to rely that I'm persuasive enough with my rage to get them to do it. And this woman, for whatever reason, she wasn't persuaded. She made it super hard for me, and I could tell I wasn't even getting that much money. So I leave there mad. So I'm walking across the fucking parking lot, pissed off, walking through this shrubby motherfucking shrubbery, <laughs> walking up the hill, walking across the parking lot, and I'm passing this bank on the way to my car. This is the first bank I passed to get to this bank. And I'm like, fuck it, man. And I walk in there, and even though the cops are on their way, I, with all this rage, knowing that I got a little money, pretty sure I've like thumbed through and realized, man, I may have only got twelve hundred bucks, you know, little chump change. And it fucking was long and hard to get that chump change. I got played. I walk in there and I rob that bank too. And I walk out and get away. And that was because I was mad. I was just mad. It was a funky bank robbery, man. So like, it's not all of them are, not all of them are about you know, look at me, man, pristine will fucking, you know, forged my way and got what I wanted. Nah, that woman wasn't having it, man. <laughs> she was, I may have been too nice on the way <laughs> on her little journey to me. <laughs> and she's like, you're a fake of fraud, man. Cut it out. Joe, at what point did you feel like, okay, 
I'm good at this. I'm rocking it. I'm a really good bank robber. La Jolla. Bank was gorgeous. It had pillars in it, like marble pillars in it, like a Greek temple kind of thing. It was crazy. It was like the most prestigious looking bank I robbed. And you would think you'd, I'd be intimidated, but I wasn't. When, when was this? I don't remember the date. But remember? I was good. I mean, it was deep into it, you know, because I wasn't nervous. And the reason I know I wasn't nervous and the reason I know I was adept, um, this one actually had a guard at the front door. <laughs> Right at the front door, inside, standing on a stool. The inside of the bank was circular. Like almost, I say circular, but it was more like a horseshoe. And what I did is when I waited in line, I got called to the the teller furthest from the the guard at the front, off to the top of the horseshoe on the left-hand side. And they had doors. There wasn't just one front door here. There were several door exits. So when I was done, I was able to just walk out of another exit back there. Um, so I was able to rob that bank with a garden net, walk away, and never get chased. What's the most you ever got out of one bank? <laughs> it was in Tustin. It was a savings and loan. And I'm, I'm wearing a fedora, trench coat. It's raining out. So... I look goofy, but I don't look completely out of line. I mean, it's not like a summer, hot summer day. I'm like, why is that guy with a fedora and trench coat? You kind of understand. But I walk in, I walk to the manager's desk in the lobby. I tell her we have a bomb, I have a gun, take me to the vault. She opens the drawer, no problem. Grabs the key, gets up and starts walking me across the lobby. Totally compliant. Hmm. She calls a woman behind the counter and, you know, she's like, whatever. Linda, meet me at the vault. And Linda's like, okay. And so she starts walking to the vault. We're walking across the lobby. The manager I'm with opens up the door, lets us into the back, closes the door. And now we're all three in front of this vault door. They open the door. They step inside. I step inside with them. The two women are now opening a second door. So they both need their key to unlock that. Now, once they get in the vault, and I, you know, kind of like push them in the vault, they get in there. Now we're in the vault. And um, right as you walk in, right in front of you, it looks like a library index card box. Like the card cat, the old school. <laughs> the old school card catalog, catalog. Card card. That when you pull them out, they're really long. Mm-hmm. They're really, um, you know, small little um, files. But I'm guessing this one's not filled with library book notes. It's filled <laughs> no. with money. It's deep and it's long. And it's filled with rows of money. So there's 20s and 10s and 5s and 1s. Thing is, I just reach in and I start taking all the money out. And I can see what I'm getting. I'm getting all the money. As soon as I'm done and this goes fast, I look over, threaten them again, don't turn around. Um, I'm, you know, count to 100, whatever. I, I go step out of that door. Now I try to go to the door that I had been led into by the manager into the teller, teller station area. Um, it's locked. And I don't have a key. So... Like, I got to hop out the counter to get into the lobby to get out the bank. Fortunately for me, there's a small counter off to the right, the one's for handicapped. So you're sitting there at a wheelchair. You can do your work while you're sitting down. And so I have to step on a chair, step on that, jump off into the, the lobby. And I look around, and there's people looking at me. I'm, you know, I'm a guy jumping over a counter. Um, and I remember when I saw the movie Public Enemies with uh, Johnny Depp, there's this one badass scene where he puts his hand on the counter and he hops over it like he's hopping over a small fence. Yeah, sort of Starsky and Hutch <laughs> yeah, style. Yeah, 
and his coat's coming over. He's wearing the fedora. And I looked at that. I was like, man, that looks sexy as fuck. And I was like, I did that. <laughs> fedora, trench coat. Like, I'm that dude, right? Like, and But I remember looking at that thinking, that is fucking cool. And I didn't actually put my hand on there and, like, hop over. I stepped over. But it had the same feel. Like, you know, when everyone looks over at me, they know, that, okay, something bad's going on. This guy's walking out of here. He looks at us with menace. And he gauges everything, assesses we're all right, and then he walks out of here fast. So they know I just robbed the place. I get out the bank, and I just start running. I get to my car. I drive away. And, um, you know, I'm far enough away to pull over because, you know, that's the thing. You know, I got a lot of money. I wonder how much I got. You know, I'm not going to drive 45 minutes home, an hour home to find out how much money I got. I'm going to find out as soon as I feel safe. I pull over. I count it. 32,000 plus. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, my biggest haul. How did it feel after getting that much money? Felt good. I mean, <laughs> I love you, homeboy. That's the stupidest question. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair. Kevin's laughing too. Okay, fair. We'll be right back. Part two, nice guys finish first. Okay, so we're on the five going north out of San Diego, north San Diego County. I was driving home. I just robbed four banks in San Diego. I got like $50,000 on me, a little over $50,000 on me in a fanny pack in the back seat. And um, I get to a point where I'm driving and I can see far ahead, like I can see part of the freeway winding there and it was all red lights and I quickly came to a stop it was parking lot it was just we stopped and we stopped and that was it and you were inching forward at the crazy minute rate could not understand why maybe it was around here well in this part of I-5 coming between San Diego and LA this is Camp Pendleton so there's nowhere to get off the freeway yeah, so there are no the exit right. ramps there's just like there's nothing. There's just freeway, and you're stuck on it. And you're stuck on it for, like, five miles or something like that. There's there's nothing you can do. I'm thinking they're looking for me. They have clearly decided that I robbed banks and they're shut down the freeway up ahead. So I'm like, okay, I get how this works. So I don't know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm kind of panicking. But pretty soon the decision is taken from me because my car starts overheating. And I'm like, what? So like, I inch, inch, inch. Like I let people like, hey, let me go. Let me get through. Let me get through. I got to go off the right. So I get off the right and I go on this lane right here. And so I park my car, maybe about right here actually. And then I start going to these call boxes. See how there's a call box here? I start going to call boxes because I think, oh, cool. I'll just stay here. I'll have a truck come and pick me up and take me out of here. A tow truck. So... That sign and further back, these signs are all blocked. A big X across them. They've closed down these call boxes. So I'm like, oh, these smart bastards, man. They like, they made sure they took that option away from me. So I can't do that, right? So I'm like, oh. And there's a, a police officer I can see on the side of the road, way far behind me. I can see his lights going on, coming at me. And when he he comes up to me, so now, we, so now we've pulled over, kind of like you pulled over. Like I pulled over. And he come, he drives up next to me, and I put on the most 
like, oh, sorry, kind of like inconveniencing. Hey, my car's over here. And he just looks at me, just scowls at me and says, if there wasn't an accident up ahead, I would take you in right now. Don't you dare get on this. Like screaming at me. He's just so pissed that he thinks I'm trying to get over. And I'm like, my car overheated. And he just, he doesn't want to hear it. He takes off. So that's when I get out of my car and I put the money around my waist and I start walking off this off-ramp here. So I walk down this off-ramp and down here at the bottom of the off-ramp, his car parked, waving everyone in there is the cop who just scolded me. I walk up to him and say, hey, sorry about my car, man, but it overheated. And now he can see that, you know, clearly it, I wasn't trying to get over and I don't have my car. I'm like, here. I said, is there a gas station or something on there? He goes, no, you got to go under the freeway here and go back where you came from. Three miles, four miles back, there's a gas station. So I'm like, all right, thanks. And I'm really trying to do the, like, I'm, I'm a college kid and I'm fucked up and you're the authority and I apologize. And he was like, you know, he actually was nice about it. Like, yeah, I'm just mad. Yeah, go that way and there's a thing over there and you'll be all right. So I go under the freeway and I start walking up the on-ramp and I don't care because I got away. <laughs> like, I'm like, good, I'm getting away. I got, I've got past him. I'm good. I'm going this way. And then I, I just like startled by whoop, whoop. And I turn around and there's a highway patrol car right pulling up to me. What are you doing? I said, well, that guy, your officer down there, your your buddy, whatever, he um he told my car overheat. I'm like all oh, bumbling it. I, he told me that that uh, I could go this way because I don't, you know, my car overheated and I'm just panicking, like pretending like I'm just so scared of everyone's authority. Um, they're like, get in the back seat. We'll take you there. I said, really? He goes, yeah, yeah. I go, thanks. And I hop in the back and I'm all all happy about it. And um, and so we start taking off. You know, they're cops, and they have to figure out, you know, who I am. They're suspicious, and they have to ask. What are you doing? Where do you come from? I say, well, you know, I met this girl at USC. We were at a party, and she um, she lived down here, so I came down for here for two or three days. But you know how that happens, man. I had plenty. It was enough. I had to get the hell out of there. And then, like, all of a sudden, this misogyny that I'm like leaning into, you know, it's man, you get it. Men, the women just fucking they they wear us out or <laughs> whatever. They got that and then all of a sudden they just calm down. Yeah, yeah, we get it. Like and all of a sudden we're bros in that car. Because we're all like, yeah, women, you know, they're all they muff us up. Everything was cool at that point. And I said, he's, uh, hey, the officer told me that there had been some accident or something back in and they share with me that and there's officers who were shot and there's a crash, an officer crash and the guy crashed. Then they say, you know, but the bad guy, we got the bad guy. And I said, well, what about the officer? I started leaning into like, I'm a citizen and I care about you guys. And what about him? Is he all right? And they say, oh yeah, he's going to be fine. I said, does he have a family? I'm really laying on the compassion for the cop thing so that they like me. And they do, they like me. We pull over and I, there's a rest stop back there a couple miles back. I said, you know what? Just leave me off at the rest of it. I said, hey, we'll take it at a gas station. I said, you know what? It's my uncle's car. And he didn't tell me that it overheats. So just leave me here. I'm going to make him come down and get it. So I said, you know, I'm fine right here. I'm, I'm good. They got a bathroom here and everything. I'm like, all right. So then I said, they pull over. And I try to get out. But there's no handles in the back seat. So I'm like, 
oh wow there's no handles back i pretend like i've never been in the back of a police car before and i got fifty thousand dollars my my uh yeah i'm carrying fifty thousand dollars on me and uh, they say uh oh yeah we gotta let you out so they let me out and the, the, you know the cop in the passenger seat gets out lets me out and then they roll the, he gets back in, he rolls the window down, and I'm said, hey, thank you, officers, I appreciate you guys giving me this ride. And they were friendly to me, like, I'm, we could take you, it's no problem. I'm like, no, 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 thanks anyway. And they drove off. And I was like, what the fuck? And I, get, I called my uncle, the fuck happened to your car? He said, oh, you can't let it idle. You just need to make it move, that you're fine. I was like, oh, okay, so whatever. I ended up getting a ride back a couple hours later to the thing, and I put water in it, and it, the, the traffic had opened up, and they, I was able to go home. That night, I get a call from, late at night, I get a call from an ex-cellmate I had in San Diego County Jail, and he says, um, were you doing any work down here today? I said, yeah, ma'am. He says, you're all over the TV. You're on Crime Stoppers. They think it's your Pakistani, and they think you live in Tijuana. I was like, oh, all right, good to know, good to know. So those two guys had me in the back seat of the car. They saw my face. I came to the door. I looked at them. You know, hey, thank you, appreciate it, whatever. The next morning, these guys come into work, <laughs> and they... And they like, we're looking for this male. He robbed four banks today. Have you seen anything about If you have any information, <laughs> you let us know. And I wondered, did those cops say... Oh, we got to go tell them we had him, or did they say, keep our mouths fucking shut, don't tell anybody that we had this guy in our car, and we drove him to get away. <laughs> yeah, but right? I mean, that's an interesting, what do they do? What do they do? My guess is going to be that they didn't tell anyone about it. Yeah, I think that's a good guess. We'll be right back. Part 3, The Spoils. So, what was going on around Joe as he was robbing banks? What did his friends and family feel? Let's ask. As you know, there's a lot of darkness in the story, so we want to try to get some of the some okay. of the fun stuff too. Do you remember some fun things that Joe used to do? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Joe was Joe was an avid golfer, although he was pretty bad at it. This is Joe's brother, Paul, again. But he also had his own personal tailor in San Marino. He had a he had this old he had this old guy who he would go there and you know have tailor made suits and he would uh you know Joe had a pretty healthy taste as far as you know wanting nice things, so he would go to this tailor and and have his suits made tailor made, and then he would buy you know that night maybe he would he would go out and uh, have dinner where he would buy food for everybody. Um, it would be for like 10, 12 people. He, he would pick up a check. It would be like, no big deal. I'll, I'll pick up a check. What kind of restaurants was he going to? Nice restaurants too, man. I'm not talking in and out. I'm talking about like a sit down, you know, menu where people are ordering wine, people are ordering, you know, two, three, four course meals. And it's a few hundred bucks. Joe had a love for things that were nice. This is Joe's friend, Debbie Okada. But he was also very generous. So despite the fact that he got the money illegally, he would spend it on whoever he was hanging out with. And there was no restricting it or anything like that. He had a black bag 
and he had loads and loads of money in this bag and they were all like singles fives tens and twenties and you know if i asked to borrow money he would just give me open up the bag and he would give me like a stack of a hundred dollars but it'd be all in ones and <laughs> or fives <laughs> he would give me all fives i'd say hey man can i borrow 50 bucks and he would like say yeah here most people who are making salads in a restaurant aren't going off to play golf and missing a shift. Here's Anne Heffernan, who we heard from in episode one. She worked with Joe while he was robbing. So it seemed like he led this other life, but I wasn't part of that other life. Yeah, if you were Joe's friend, he, I guess, was buying friends. I don't know what he thought he was doing with that. But he got out of, I guess it would have been the city jail and... And he talked about how he was turning over a new leaf. Something like, yeah, I don't want to do that again. Which turned out to not be true. He would drive nice cars. It was a lifestyle for him. It wasn't just, I'm robbing banks. It was like, I'm robbing banks, but I'm also living a life that I've always wanted to live. There was a party I went to once. The men were playing poker. And, um... Joe was sitting there and he was smoking a cigar. He was drinking and his girlfriend was like sitting in his lap or something. And he was sitting like he was a king. I had the feeling of like, this is where, this is Joe's comfort place. Anything Joe wanted to do, Joe did. It was living a life that whatever he wanted to do, he would do. Money was no factor, at the, I guess would be the best way to put it. Because if he wanted to go to a concert, he just would go rob a bank. And go to that concert. If Joe wanted to go to Vegas and, and hand out hundreds of dollars to everybody who was going with him, and that's what he did. He would just go rob two or three banks that day, and then he would give everybody a few hundred dollars. You know, if if he wanted to take everybody out because it was someone's birthday, he would go rob a bank and he would take everybody out for dinner. That's it was it. It was a cycle that kind of uh, continued to do for like I guess eighteen months or whatever, however long he he robbed. Yeah, you know, the thing is, when people ask me about, like, oh, you rob banks, you spend, what'd you spend it on? I think they've watched too many fucking rap videos. I think they think I had all this bling, I had fucking jewelry, I had fucking Lamborghinis and, and a bunch of, you know, women at the beach and parties. I wasn't that dude, man. What I would do is stuff like I would get 10 tickets to Stevie Wonder concert and give it to my friends and say, go party, here's money. Or maybe I'd go to dinner first with them and take them to such a, so like, we would just go, we would have a party, eat, and I would just pay for it all. It was just a, it was just dinner. It's not I was buying everyone rings and I looked ama- I just I wore nice suits that were that, that that were tailor-made, $1000 suits. I wore $250 loafers. I would spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars to go, you know, I'd spend $1000 to go play golf all day, two rounds of golf, but that's not sexy. That's <laughs> That's bro stuff, you know? It's like the bro stuff is not sexy. I'm sorry. So that's but, what I you know what I mean? Like, I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't have, like, my friends who would rob banks and then go and get high, and then they would go to a hotel, and their night would end up really crazy, <laughs> you know? There would be fightings and shootings and stabbings and, and prostitutes and, and all sorts of craziness. My none of that, man. Hmm. The thing I was doing was just trying to, like, get a lot of money so I didn't have to feel like I was poor. That's the thing. It was all about, I can pay my way. I don't have to worry about money. 
So when I would get a bill, I was excited that I got to go to get my checkbook and I could pay that bill right away. Boom. I got a, I came home. There was my cable bill. Paid it right off because I didn't want anybody holding anything over me. Hmm. So like I would get $20,000 under my bed. I would get low like that, maybe down to fifteen. It's time to go rob again because I felt like I'm leaving check to check at that point. <laughs> like that mm. 15 could be gone next week. So I that's how I was living, right? Like that. I mean, when you think back about, when you think back on the time that you were robbing banks, do you feel like you did it wrong? Mm, no. <laughs> you don't feel like you did? Because it kind of sounds like you were doing it wrong. <laughs> I was doing it wrong for you. I was doing it right for me. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I love the question because it makes me realize I was like me. I mean, we already know, and every prisoner who would ever met would would could talk about me. I wasn't like other guys, even right. Cordes. I just I'm not. I wasn't raised in the criminal milieu, so I didn't have the same um, criminal ambitions. Spend my money that way, you know. I mean, I didn't even wear like jewelry. Closest I got to that kind of flamboyance was tassels on my loafers. <laughs> <laughs> Geese in flight on my ties. So, Joe, if you weren't in it for the party or the women or the drugs, I mean, what was fun about it? Bank robbery was fun for me for several reasons. One, I was a fucking bank robber. <laughs> Two, bank robbery was fun for me in dark way because I got to be, um, I got to express my power. You know, the the thing that happened in bank robbery, the alchemy in there where I changed the molecules in the room between me and somebody and I made, I could like, they became like my puppet and I could make them do it all. That kind of power was super fulfilling. That's one of the reasons I loved being a bank robber. And so whether I bought, you know, nice clothes or motorcycles or cars or spent a lot of money, at the end of the day, the one thing that was super fulfilling was I made that shit happen. And when I went to bed at night, I'm like, I'm that guy. And being that guy, being him, fucking fulfilling. So everything after that is incidental. Well, it's bonus to the thing. If I can, if I know that I can facilitate 10 close friends' happiness because they come back from the Stevie Wonder concert and it was fucking religious for them. That's fantastic. I love being able to be that guy, too, who has the money to spend on friends to facilitate that. Right. But I also have this way where I have this rage, and I'm thinking, if I can get paid for it, cool. I need to express this rage. I can't keep stabbing my dad to feel what I want to feel. That felt great. That felt powerful. I want to have that move out of me still. And, and then I found this way to get paid to do it. So it was perfect. Mm -hmm. You know, express the rage. They give you money. Get away. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'm leaving. That's it. That was it. Yeah. This is episode seven of the Bank Robber Diaries. Big Bank, Little Bank. It's season one of The Score from ACAST Studios and Western Sound. Executive producers are me, Ben Adair. Joe Loya, Veronica Taylor, and Susie Warhurst. Producers are Cameron Kell, Haley Fox, and Stephanie Aguilar. Original composition and sound design is by Dan Leone. Production assistance comes from Annette Rahel. Mixing is by Johnny Vince Evans and Eric Romani. Next up, episode eight, The Victims. Stay tuned. <laughs>